0: This is Brain Diet, episode number 21. I'm Taylor Ann Macy, and you are listening to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain good information. Hello, everyone. I am sitting in my office recording this podcast episode, and outside it's raining. And I am living for it. I don't know if the mic will pick up the raindrops, but you can hear them on our roof and I can see them outside. And I just am all about it. So I kind of hope that the mic picks it up just because that would be really cool to have (laughs) raindrops in the background because I love rain so much. Anyway, let's get into it. Today we are talking all about emotional eating. Now this episode will go in tandem with an episode I did on emotional hunger. So go back and listen to that as well and it will give you a really well-rounded sense of what I'm talking about and what I teach. Now in terms of emotional eating, this is kind of a term that's thrown around a lot and I wanted to share my take on it and the way that I approach it. First off, everyone is entitled to their own beliefs about food. Everyone is entitled to their own beliefs about emotions, about weight loss, about health, and there's not necessarily a right or a wrong way to look at everything in that realm. I'm just going to share today what works for me, what makes sense to me, and frankly, what I see a lot of success with in the lives of the people that I coach. Now, whatever it is that you believe about food and emotions and weight loss – I am not trying to take away those beliefs. I am just here to maybe add something to your repertoire. So take it or leave it. Approach what you hear today with an open mind and just decide if it's something that you'd like to add to your collection of mindsets or maybe not. It's okay, whatever you decide to do. (laughs) So our bodies, they require so many calories to function. And they require so many calories to maintain the weight that we are at currently. And we all have what's called a basal metabolic rate or a BMR that indicates the number of calories we need to survive if we laid completely still and flat all day, every single day. So there are obviously variations when it comes to physical activity and movement. But our bodies are equipped with a system to indicate to us when we are hungry and when we are full in order to communicate those needs. So by design, we have everything we could need internally to maintain our most natural set weight if we ate when we were hungry and we stopped when we were full. So what's the discrepancy that causes weight gain? It's emotions. Now, I'm going to add this caveat just because I know that there will be those of you listening that will think about this and I just want to address it. There can indeed and are many different physical factors that contribute to our weight. There are hormones and illnesses and pre-existing conditions and imbalances and all sorts of things and those are not to be discounted by any means as you consider your overall health. There are amazing people and doctors out there who can help you figure those things out and get you in the most ideal and healthy metabolic state. With that said, though, I think that sometimes people will assume that those things are the primary cause and the primary reason that weight loss is so difficult. And people can sometimes blame those things and in the process, prevent themselves from really making any sort of progress. So take all of this with a grain of salt, that it's just a piece to the puzzle. But I really think this is important information that can be useful and can be helpful. And I think that most of the time, even if you do have any type of physiological imbalance or condition, that there is likely an emotional component. Like I've even worked with clients who have all sorts of unimaginable physical conditions who are still able to see massive progress and success with doing emotional work around food and around eating. The main reason that I do this work around weight loss has nothing to do with people's body size. And it doesn't even have anything necessarily to do with their physical health either. Though both of those things do tend to change as a byproduct of doing this work. I just love to help people with weight loss because it is a brilliant platform to uplevel your relationship with yourself and your relationship with your life. Like, have you ever noticed if you've started a diet or a weight loss program and all your crap comes up, like you limit your caloric intake and all of the sudden you're just like a raging emotional mess? Yeah, that's a very indicative sign that there's some emotional elements to all of it that could be looked at. And that's not to say that caloric restriction can't be the cause of irritability. That definitely can be the case once you pass a certain threshold. But for that argument, that you're only grumpy because of your lack of calories, I would say if weight loss is your ultimate and long-term goal, that it's not worth it to be irritable all the time just in the name of weight loss or even weight maintenance. So consider that. I think that as a society, we portray this as kind of a typical and appropriate behavior that when your boyfriend breaks up with you, you go and eat ice cream. Like I remember in high school, when my boyfriend broke up with me once, my two friends and I went and bought an armful of Ben and Jerry's and we went back to one of their houses, got together and just like rallied together and ate this ice cream. And it was just this whole thing. And I think even this boyfriend and I, I think we ended up getting back together that same night, but you better believe that before he and I got back together, that we polished off those Ben and Jerry's like it was our job because that's just what you do. That's what you are noticing in media. And that's just what you're taught to do is to cope with emotions through food. So I think that many people do use food to deal with Emotions, myself included, in those adolescent high school heartbroken years. <laughs> and I am not necessarily saying that this is a bad thing. I am not saying that if you eat emotionally, that there is something wrong, or even that there's something that needs to be fixed. And I am by no means trying to take the pleasure of food away from you, or even the coping mechanism away from you, unless unless eating emotionally is causing you some kind of problem. If it's causing you a problem in your weight, if it's causing you a problem in your life in general, that's when I feel like it's worth taking a look at. But if we were to take a look at how emotional eating transitioned and has developed into a lifestyle as an adult, we can see how ingrained it is in our culture. Like when a child is young and upset over something, it's an immediate response to offer something to help them feel better. Like my very own mother does this with my kids. And mom, if you're listening, I love you. You can keep doing this. It's fine. (laughs) But when my kids are sad, she gives them a dum-dum sucker and then she'll snuggle them. And it's this sweet grandma, grandchild type of thing. And I don't have any desire to change that. But it is interesting to watch that play out, to watch that conditioning take place from when my kids are so young. Like... My kid is crying and sad and a snuggle and a dum-dum sucker. That's what's going to help them feel better. (laughs) So there becomes this tie between sugar and alleviating sadness. And there also becomes this belief that being sad is a problem to be solved. And the solution to said sad problem is food. Like you're sad because you stubbed your toe. The solution is a dum-dum sucker. You're sad because your boyfriend breaks up with you, the solution is to eat ice cream. Or if you're exhausted at the end of a work day and it was a long and hard work day, the solution is to eat cookies and donuts, right? Now, what's so fascinating about all of this is the exact same thing can actually happen with positive emotion. Because believe it or not, positive emotion can sometimes be uncomfortable. And it can sometimes be so uncomfortable to the point that you have to put a buffer between you and that positive emotion. And that buffer is food. So as a society, we've developed a more or less collective belief that in order to celebrate something, you have to go out to eat. Like graduations and birthdays and anniversaries and marriages or divorces or new jobs or finishing an old job or even just finishing a work day. Like the positive emotions that you would feel around those types of things, for whatever reason, we believe have to be accompanied by food in order to be celebrated appropriately. So it's like, are you feeling really, really happy about something? Then eat. But it's also like, are you feeling really, really crappy about something? Well, let's just eat for that too. (laughs) And it's first and foremost, just really curious. To notice this type of mindset, it's not something that we need to change and it's not something that's a problem necessarily, but it's just really interesting to notice. And then from that space of noticing it, you can decide if it's something that's a problem for you. And from that space, you can move forward because food is supposed to be pleasurable to us, but within reason. Our brain is designed to receive pleasure from food in order for us to stay alive If we didn't get pleasure from food, we would have no motivation to eat and we would die. So of course, there is supposed to be that crucial element of pleasure from food. We are supposed to get a small dopamine hit when we eat food, but the pleasure that we get from it in this day and age of humanity isn't the type of pleasure that helps us be healthy or that helps us survive longer. The pleasure we get now from how often we eat and the concentrated foods we are eating can cause us to be unhealthier and cause weight gain. The pleasure that we get from an apple doesn't compare to the pleasure that we get from a donut. So you can see how that evolution of our brain where it used to get a pleasure response from an apple and that used to perpetuate our survival. Now we're getting so much more pleasure, so much more of a dopamine hit because the food, the calories and the chemicals and the ingredients in a donut are so much more concentrated that our brain thinks, oh, this will definitely help us survive because of the major dopamine we are getting when we eat this as compared to an apple that is significantly less. So what if food was just fuel? What if I gave you One bar type thing that was made up of stardust. I know I've heard Brooke Castillo talk about a bar of stardust. And what if that bar of stardust was exactly the right amount of calories and macronutrients and micronutrients and all you had to do was eat that bar every single day and you would have exactly what you needed. If that were the case, if all you had to do was eat this one stardust bar What emotions and thoughts and feelings, what might come up for you? Like it's kind of an interesting thing to consider, isn't it? I think that if we genuinely considered that, there would be a lot that would come up for us that we wouldn't even realize was there. There would be so many emotions and beliefs that we would have that would come into question and really reveals some interesting things about what's happening in our brains when it comes to emotions and food and how much more intertwined they are than we even realize. So if you feel like you are wanting to examine your emotional eating a little bit, here are three things to do. The first thing to do as you examine your emotional eating is to become aware without judgment. Let me tell you, if you go into this and you start to notice how deeply intertwined your emotions are with food and you start to judge yourself for it, it's going to be very difficult to approach yourself from compassion and be able to be in a clean space to make any change. I will also say that judgment over the thoughts that you are having and over your behavior isn't useful. There is no upside to judging yourself for eating emotionally or for judging yourself in general. Judging yourself doesn't perpetuate lasting change and it feels terrible. So that first component is to become aware of your thoughts and feelings and relationship when it comes to food without any sort of judgment. The second thing to do is to just feel your feelings. I want you to be able to name what it is that you're feeling and acquaint yourself with it. Become familiar with what it is that you're feeling and notice when you are feeling desire to eat something and learn to feel that desire without answering it. Meaning you notice that you feel a desire for food and instead of answering the desire and eating the food, what happens if you just sit with that desire? What happens if you just allow it to be there, let it just work around in your body? What might happen? Now, when it comes to feeling your feelings, one of the most important parts is to not resist it. So you have a desire for food don't try to run away from it. Like what if you just sat with it, didn't resist it? I will tell you, it's actually not as big of a deal as you might think it is. Now, the third thing to do when it comes to your emotional eating is to plan in advance what you will eat 24 hours ahead of time. This really is the best way to not be emotionally eating because you are not deciding to eat based on how you feel emotionally. So planning in advance, you have to keep in mind also, that doesn't necessarily mean to plan something really, really stringent, like plan what it is that you would normally eat. However many meals and snacks that is, whatever your eating window is, like plan something that is realistic for you. Here's the thing. There is a lot of talk of like intuitive eating and what that might look like and listening to your body. And I think that's a very crucial component when it comes to weight loss is being able to listen to our body when it tells us that we are hungry and when we are full, The caveat to that is I think that too often we decide to eat from an emotional space as opposed to a physical space. So instead of intuitive eating, I like to call it decisive eating, meaning you plan ahead of time what you're going to eat from a place of love for yourself and you are decisive in what that day is going to look like for you. But that means that throughout the following day you aren't going to be listening to your emotions and responding to them with food. You are simply going to be listening to your emotions and sitting with them. Listening to your desires for food and sitting with that desire. That makes sense? So, becoming aware without judgment, feeling your feelings, and planning in advance what you will eat 24 hours ahead of time, using that decisive eating for the sake of intuitive eating. Once you have set your plans for the day, break the day up into quarters. Meaning, if you have a plan for the day and you just completely blow one quarter of the day, focus on doing well on the next quarter. So instead of saying, I've blown the entire day, just break it up into quarters. Focus on one quarter at a time. The next little tip is as you navigate what it is that you've planned to eat the following day, if there is an emotion that's particularly cumbersome, and if there is a moment where you go off your plan and are feeling a little bit upset about it, always come back to this reset, meaning you take a drink of water and you reset. That's all it is. So throughout the day, as your emotions kind of ebb and flow, come back to this. Take a drink of water and reset. Now, here's another thing, when it comes to planning, your brain might offer you the thought, it's just so out of my control, it's too difficult to plan for. And thoughts like that are just your brain lying to you. Like when your brain says, I'm going on vacation or I'm going to eat out and I just don't know how to plan for that. That's a lie. There are ways to plan. There are ways to be in charge and there are ways To figure it out. So ask your brain, if I could figure this out, how would I figure this out? And even if you really don't know what type of food's going to be there, maybe just set your portion size. It doesn't necessarily need to be something as specific as what you would eat at home, but just have a plan in place. Don't just let things happen to you. That's one of the most important things when it comes to weight loss is being in charge. Now, here are three things not to do when it comes to addressing your emotional eating. The first is do not get into diet mentality. The diet mentality is that behavior change is temporary, that it's only working until you reach a finish line and then you are done. Now, if you are looking for temporary results, then diets can get you that for sure. But if you are looking for long-term overall well-being and weight loss and health, then avoid the diet mentality. The diet mentality is also what can lead to eating disorders and other more severe emotional eating. So don't get into that. Diet mentality also uses willpower. And that is not what I am asking you to do. Willpower is totally opposite to allowing emotions. So instead of resisting your feelings, resisting the desire to eat, allow your feelings, allow that desire to be there. Now, another tip in terms of avoiding the diet mentality is don't give yourself crazy rules. Like don't do anything that you're not willing to commit to for the rest of your life. And that's not to say that you don't need to have rules. I mean, it's a completely personal preference. It's up to you what you decide to include in your daily plan, but do it from a place of self-love and capability and not because you're trying to be stringent and be something different than who you are. So the second thing is to not expect this experience of dealing with your emotions and food to be linear. When it comes to weight loss, it can go all over the place. You can start out losing weight and then you can gain weight and then you can lose a lot of weight and then you can gain more weight and then it can come back even more than it was before. And that's all part of the journey. There is so much to learn in weight loss and weight gain and weight maintenance. So as you go through this, don't expect it to be linear. Expect that it's going to be in all sorts of different places at all sorts of different times and know that that's okay. Where you are now and where you are throughout the journey of figuring out emotional eating is exactly where you're supposed to be. The third thing to not do is to beat yourself up for overeating. This is the same as judging yourself in that there's no upside to doing it. It isn't useful and it doesn't help you be better next time. So if you've overate, notice it. Notice what happened, take note of it, and move on. There's no reason to ever beat yourself up over eating something that you didn't plan or eating more or eating less or whatever it might be. Skip that. Skip the beating yourself up. So let me recap. Three things to do. Become aware without judgment. Feel your feelings. Plan in advance what you will eat 24 hours ahead of time. Three things not to do. Do not go into the diet mentality. Do not expect it to be linear and do not beat yourself up for overeating. So I've given you a lot to think about. Consider those three do's and three don'ts and maybe even just pick one and work on it and see what happens and what comes up for you. Consider how any of this that I've talked about today might fit into a perfectly tailored lifestyle just for you and see what you can create if you want to know more, please sign up for a mini session. It's free. The link is in the show notes. I can't wait to meet you. I love you. Have a great week.